This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am your host, Sean Lavery, and uh, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the podcast tonight. Um, you know, I know the title of the sh show is Bass Fishing for Noobs, uh, but every once in a while we like to take a little break from that. And um, tonight, uh, my guest is going to be kind of a, uh, a shot that way. We'll still cover some bass fishing because uh, he's got a lot of uh, great knowledge uh, and someone who, when I first started, uh, uh, learning how to fish, uh, was someone who I watched uh, a lot of, um, I, you guys heard me last week talking about, uh, the show that he used to do. Um, uh, we'll get into that a little bit as well. And, uh, but, uh, right off the bat, I want to introduce my guest tonight, Mr. Don Goff. So welcome to the Paddle and Finn Noob, Noob Show, Don, and, uh, thanks for coming on this evening. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. So uh, I know I know who you are, but uh, I would guess a lot of our listeners probably don't. So uh, why don't you let them know who you are and where you're from and uh, maybe a little bit about how you got into fishing and kind of your history a little bit. Cool. Yeah, I actually uh, just a local fisherman. I'm from Havity Grace. Um, started fishing in a very challenging time in my life when I needed fishing to really help me get through things. You know, I think a lot of people seek fishing for those reasons. So that's how I started to, like, really seek it beyond just a hobby. It really became a passion to keep me balanced. And, you know, it was in a time in my life where I had loss. I had lost, you know, my son. So it helped me cope and get through life in a very special way that uh, no, no person being or even work to get in the way from because it just kept me whole. So from that point and about 2011 on, I really just tried to, you know, seek a lot of balance in life and learn as much as I could. And I really just promised myself that I would, uh, you know, live my life in a way that I would do whatever it took to make it work and still be happy. And uh, I really found that balance and fishing, I took kind of took all the way, you know, I became a guide, I got on social media, I had a following of um, 50,000 people over five social networks. I've done a lot of uh, videos with john toast Oast back in the day. <laughs> um, 
and I started like a little like when Facebook Live first started, it got a real good ping. So I, I realized that, you know, corporate was pushing that. So I kind of, um, uh, you know, really like tuned into that. So it helped me get more followers faster because they were allowing more people to see it through Facebook. I just took advantage of that. That one thing led to another. And then all of a sudden I thought I could fish for a living, which was far from the truth. You know, <laughs> I did it and I did it for four years and I didn't work for anybody else. I had to work side jobs. Lo and behold, my side job ended up being my real job to this day. But I still I still fish. It's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I just go out with friends. I don't promote anymore. I don't guide anymore. But um, I don't have a problem, you know, on any given Sunday, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. So, I mean, for, to start off, you know, we that's something we talk about on this show a lot. The, the therapeutic values of fishing and, and kayak fishing in particular, uh, just, you know, that connection of being so close to the water and just being out in nature and how so many people who struggle with all sorts of things, uh, you know, find find a relief in that and you know i i encourage anybody who is struggling with any kind of things to kind of search out that outlet and and give it a try because I, I feel like it can be you know <clears throat> just a just a freeing and you know super therapeutic experience for anybody who's really struggling so that's cool yeah. that you got to share that so but yeah and it goes both ways sean you know you could do it for yourself and you know in solitude but really fishing can be a very social thing too absolutely really open yourself up to others and start to trust people in a different way that you never knew you could before because when you're out of the water and that that perfect experience happens that you can never duplicate um it, it becomes a bonding moment and it's that the therapy there is beyond you know, Sigmund Freud, it's simply just uh, the way life should be. And that's when you have that dawning moment that this is what you really are about. And this is what you like to do. Amen, brother. Yeah, for sure. And and I, I think you're exactly right. I've met so many amazing people that otherwise I wouldn't have a clue even existed. And, and it's definitely been a blessing to, to meet, you know, uh, so many amazing people just in the short amount of time that I've been, you know, you know, in the kayaking community and uh, the fishing community in general. So uh, yeah. I can definitely echo those sentiments for sure. So, yeah, it's just, it's a blast. It's, you know, it's, I know it's cliche, but it's definitely a way of life. It's a little different, but yeah. I know you had some uh, fishing questions. So if I can Absolutely. help you guys with that, any, yep. you know, yeah. I'm happy to. So I wanted to like give you a, let, just let the folks know where I first saw you. And that was, uh, um, when you kind of worked with the Susquehanna River Fishing Club and yeah. you used to do a show called the Power Hour. And um, I was telling my guests about that last week, uh, how I, me I remember I put you on on the way to work and kind of live vicariously through you being out on the water as I was heading to work and wishing I was out there. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the Top Toad last week and that was the first place I ever heard of anybody throwing that. And um, I remember reaching out to you and asking you some questions about the kind of gear you were using and you were super helpful to me. Um, you know, just let me know, you know, what you're using and, you know, kind of why you were using it. And, uh, that's kind of how, what kind of got me started. And, um, now lo and behold, I'm doing my own show. So definitely, you know, uh, kind of influenced me in that. So, but, um, I guess, um, I know what, like I said, in the beginning of the show, uh, we're usually talking about bass fishing. But one of the reasons I reached out to Don was because I knew that he did a lot of snakehead fishing too, and maybe even some guiding for snakehead fishing. And I thought that might be an interesting topic uh, to talk about because it, you know, while bass fishing is fun, um, I heard snake snakehead fishing can be a total blast that they can be a, a beast of a fish to fight and catch. And they're definitely a toothy critter. So you gotta, you know, be on the lookout for that. I've seen, some uh, plastic frogs and stuff that got absolutely murdered uh, by snakeheads. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit about that. Uh, see what, uh, you know, what you know and what, you know, where, where someone could get started if that was something they wanted to go and try and target. I'd say um, actually it's an awesome fish for uh, a beginner fisherman. 
for the simple reason that they're accessible to just about anybody that, that doesn't have a bass boat. So if you're a kayak fisherman, if you're a shore fisherman, especially if you're a Maryland fisherman, there's a lot of marsh and there's a lot of shallow water. And it seems like the snakeheads over the last 30 years have really taken over and all those areas that they like best, which would be, you know, a really mushy, shallow area. I would have to say 95% of the big snakes I pull out of the water that are at least 10 pounds are in six inches of water. Wow. So the fact of the matter is, is if you target stinky, dirty, gross, <laughs> shallow, hot, nasty, with with lots of weeds, like you can never think a fish would live in there, you're going to find them. And it's just really good for a beginner fisherman because I'd say in the next 10 years, you're really going to start to see that you could probably just get them on shore pretty much with ease anywhere on the, you know, east side and west side for sure. Okay. So, yeah, they're, they're very abundant, you know, and if you know how to fish the weed line or the weeds themselves, it's all about not getting snagged. So the more times you can throw that frog without having a clump of grass on it or any lure for that matter in six inches of water, then your chances are going to greatly increase because if that lure is not in the water, you have no chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is definitely true. Your percentage obviously goes way, way up the, the more time your bait's in the water. So, uh, yeah. Um, and there's no real trick to them. I mean, if you're a bass fisherman, you can catch them on anything a bass will bite on, but they really like that super, super shallow, high cover. And that's all they need. And they really don't even need six inches. You know, I've caught them way back in, in the reeds and three inches of water. And it's just, it's wild. They're, they're pretty aggressive. So when it's time to feed, they will, but you got to be in the right place at the right time. And if you just want to be right in that six, I always say six inches to about two foot. It's probably perfect. So I would think in six inches, it'd almost be that their backs would be out of the water. Are you uh, like sight fishing for them or are you kind of just uh, kind of just casting in those general areas? <laughs> a little bit of both. I mean, uh, a lot of times, depending on when they're spawning, I might be sight fishing based on their fry balls. And that's about it. Okay. Otherwise, you just target these zones and they kind of lay low and they lay still and they're ambush predators, just like bats. So you don't really have to like look for them, just have to keep, you know, casting in that in a radius that you can cover five foot spans in a cone and then move down and then five foot in a cone and move down. You can do it from a boat, um, canoe, kayak, or, you know, it really doesn't matter. But, um, you know, just targeting those areas is what's going to happen. Now, if you do see a fry ball, target the fry ball. <clears throat> because the mom and dad, they actually protect the babies and okay. you could have a chance to catch two back to back because they will attack if uh, they are in the protection mode. They will actually circle the fry ball and you'll be able to pick them up pretty easily. Okay. I, I did a few guys and we would go sight fishing for fry balls and I can almost get, you know, the customer on the fish just by targeting the balls okay and the balls they'll they'll get a little deeper but normally you can find them it's still like very relative to where you're going to find the mom and dad with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And uh, what, what time of year would you be looking for fry balls? So they spawn the same kind of times bass do, or is that something like different or different times of year? So I've been targeting them since... 2015 and just in my experience since then i feel like 
the snakeheads are spawning like every two or three months. Wow. Okay. And it seems like, and I think scientifically, if I might be proven wrong on this, but it seems like with my hours that I've spent out there, that they're kind of hosting the fry for at least the first four weeks of their life. So until those fry turn from this color red to the actual snakehead boa constrictor pattern, Mm -hmm. That's about when the parents stop guarding them. It doesn't mean that they're still not fried up. It just means I think that's when they finally let go. But within another month or two, you're going to find, in my experience, another set of fry ball this color. So okay. it, it feels like to me they're spawning in cycles of about two or three times from May till October or November. Wow. So that's like, okay. Yeah, that's like once a quarter around here once it gets warm interesting and um i didn't realize the fry were red so i that seems like that would be something that would stand out pretty good and be somewhat easy to spot yeah if you've ever been to petco and you've seen the rosy reds that you feed your oscars mm -hmm. they actually look like rosy reds interesting yeah they're very orange um i got a couple of videos i could send you just to show you like the different stages of life like in my own hands because um, okay. they're really easy to net. You can just net them, like a kayak right up to them, scoop them Wow. Up, okay, interesting. Just, it was a great day because you caught 100 snakeheads <laughs> in one catch. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it, I guess, if you're going for numbers. So, Yeah, and, you know, so I'm still in the running, I guess, you know. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, most snakeheads ever caught, right. Yeah, um, I've, never, I've never really caught them any monsters um other over 13 pounds is like my biggest one that, so it still but, sounds yeah. ginormous to me but <laughs> yeah but i'm trying i'm looking for that stake record you know it's like 22 and a half 23 something like that i can't and imagine I, the uh, sleigh ride that's going to uh, take you on but <laughs> well i'm in the right place i think i've been uh targeting the same area twice a year abroad since 2015 and okay. you know, uh, the biggest one I caught was in my backyard. So I drive four <laughs> hours and the biggest one I caught is right here in, in uh, rough route 40. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I haven't been down there to fish as much. Um, I, I'd like to get down there more. I used to crab down that way with my stepdad, but I've never fished down there a ton because uh, my stepdad always wanted to go crabbing. So the time that I have spent down in the habit grace area and down there has been definitely been more crabbing than anything, but. Yeah, and it's really not just Havity Grace. You know, I'm not trying to blow up that spot because it's a lot of water up there in the flats. It's oh, every yeah. tributary from Havity Grace to Baltimore City. Okay. Right? And there is no bad spot as long as you're in that target zone and it's nasty, stinky water. <laughs> you're going to find them. Yeah, I, I promise you, you will find them, but they're not the easiest catch in the world. And a lot of probably our bowfin fans mm -hmm. and a bowfin's uh you know a very special catch you don't usually just nail them all day long snakeheads are very similar in their behavior and uh it is special they are not easy to hook you need to learn the techniques for uh landing them you might hook one but landing them's a whole nother thing Okay. And then what well, kind of, is there anything you can share about that? Like, uh, that goes into that once you, you, you think you got one hooked, what, what are some of those techniques? Well, typically we will, uh, set the hook multiple times before we even think we have them. So, okay. you know, you're literally wrenching back on your rod, like you set the hook for the first time, um, every six seconds for the first two or three yanks, then you pull them in. So then you probably have pierced their their bony plate in their mouth at that point. And even then, it's not secure. So you just try to get them in there fast and put them in the net. That's the best I can tell you. And don't lip them. Yeah. <laughs> teeth. But uh, you're going to have to pry their jaws open and get that lure out of there somehow. A lot of people have different techniques. There's a lot of tools out there. Uh, okay. Some guys on the eastern shore that have patented some like jaw breakers, you know, jaw spreaders, things like that. 
Okay. Probably find their tools if you just probably look on Facebook or Google, you know, Eastern Shore Snakeheads, etc. But you got to hold their mouth open while keeping them in the net while removing the hook. <laughs> that and does sound like an adventure, but <laughs> if you take them out of the net, they do a thing we call going zombie. Okay. So they will act like they're out of juice. They'll act like they're dead. And I'm not kidding you. Five minutes later, when you're trying to get this hook out of their, their bony plate, they will reanimate, jump out of the boat, and smack you in the face with their tail. <laughs> uh, it it happens <laughs> over and over and over again. Interesting. So, yeah. Just keep them in the net. Keep them twisted in there. And just kind of work with their, their face. And, you know, if you're going to keep them, great. If you're going to take a picture, great. If uh, it's not illegal to let them go where you caught them, if you're going to let them go, great. You know, it's just whatever you want to do. Just they're going to go zombie on you. They're going to reanimate. So keep them in the net until you're ready for your Kodak moment, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and do you usually carry like fish grips and stuff with you so you can handle them for pictures and that kind of thing? I always have all my tools and it's pretty much the only fish I exclusively target most of the year. Right okay. now, I fish for shad because it's kind of old school and brings me back to my roots. But um, usually, I'm going snakehead fishing, and I'll get lucky and catch a bass or you name it. We do do like um, some bass openers in some Baltimore County lakes and things like that in early April before the snakes start biting. But once May hits, that's all I really care to go for. It's perfect for the environment I like to put myself in and I'm a kayaker. Yep. So that, that's really my favorite fit. Okay. Okay. Um, is there any special lures that you use or do you just pretty much just throw bass lures or bigger bass lures or uh, well, anything in particular? I think you, you uh, mentioned it earlier. I, I, I honestly, all my friends and a lot of the other guys, they like to carry multiple things, try multiple things. And pretty much every bass lure works, but I'm the type of guy that just goes out there with a top toad all day. Okay. I won't, I won't switch it up at all. I'll be <laughs> patient. I'll wait for that top water strike because there's nothing like it. And it's going to take a lot for me to stop throwing that lure because that's probably all I ever fish always. Okay. So it's the, the only thing that tickles my fancy, you know? Hey, uh, we were just talking about the the love of topwater explosions and frog fishing last week on our show. So, you know, I don't think you have to explain that away at all because it's definitely something once it happens, you get addicted to. And I can definitely see why that's something you, you try to target and repeat because that is a, a fun time. I'm sure uh, if it's anything like a bass blow up, I mean, it just sounds awesome. So, and, and that, yeah. and the, the environment where you're describing about where they, these fish are, uh, you know, sounds like frog heaven as well. So it makes sense why that would be a productive lure for you to use and be throwing in those areas. Yeah, it is. I mean, I will change up my game depending on the species. I, I don't mind fishing other things. I'm more of a, um, you know, I'm very much a power fisherman. As long as I'm active, I'll crank. I'll do top water all day. I'll pop. Um, crank baits are nice. Um, I mean, cheddar baits, I, I mean. And I don't do a lot of finesse. But mm -hmm. if uh, my buddy Josh next to me is catching them on the finesse, then I might just borrow one from him to so I can catch as much fish. There you go. There you go. Um proud <laughs> well yeah some people i mean live and die by the power and like i i i like to say I, i'm a little you know i'm not afraid to throw either i started off with finesse just because that's kind of what i felt more comfortable with but um as i've learned i've i've gr grown to like cranking and and um some of the more power stuff as well uh, i still don't know that i'm as good about or with it as finesse um i feel like uh for some reason i, I tend to still do better with finesse but uh, i'm definitely not opposed to the power game at all when i when it works you know i like cranking and that kind of thing uh so definitely um you know we'll take whatever i can get whatever's catching fish is what i'll keep doing if i can but 
Um, is there anything else um, you would say to someone who's going to target Snakehead that they should know? Um, I know we, we talked about equipment. Um, any like what kind of line do you generally use, or does it matter? I know with the the teeth, that's obviously you know there's not a lot of line that's going to hold up to getting chomped through. But is there anything better than another, or anything you'd recommend there? You know, just a higher abrasion line. It depends on uh, you know if you're frog fishing, you're probably going to go for a heavier pound test and most likely not a mono. I would probably go with braid. That's all mm -hmm. I ever use. And okay. if you're frogging with all the weeds and such, most likely a 30 pound braid or 15 at minimal. Um, okay. You really want to cast uh, a, a thin braid, obviously in a bait caster. It's not made for it. So you need a high diameter or a thicker diameter and the high abrasion really helps with the teeth. But, um, you know, that's part of it because you're in the grass and the mm -hmm. other part is because of their teeth. But really, the moral of the story is ha have a net. You know, if you don't have a net, you're probably not going to land the fish because of their teeth and their, their veracity. They're pretty, okay. they're pretty wild, but high abrasion, high pound tests. And are you generally making like super long casts and, and kind of, or, or are they kind of like a more spooky fish or will they hang out and let you get pretty much right next to them? And it's often the strikes are right there next to the boat or how's that work? It's anywhere, anywhere, everywhere. I've had them hit next to the boat. I've had them, I cast out 70 yards probably on average if I'm winging it and I'm bringing this in and they're hitting in all ranges. So what you end up doing is if you cone the area, you might find some sort of trend. They might be biting closer to the boat, which means they're probably not in the six-inch range. Might be a little hot. So they might be in the 18-inch, or they might be in the 24-inch range. Okay. All are, all are within the strike zone because right. the fish see it and the water clarity, et cetera, so shallow. Right. Okay, so just pay attention to kind of where they're hitting – uh, how far from the boat, and that'll give you a good clue, maybe where they're trending. You know, and yeah, it helps you can... cast, right? And yeah, cast, you don't necessarily have a lot of equipment if you're a minimalist. You're probably doing it because it's um, an affordable sport. So, not you know, the guys that go out and deck all their stuff out aren't necessarily pro. They might be obsessive, but you know, <laughs> eat all that. I might, I may or may not fall into that category. I might, my kayak looks sometimes like a, a bath pro <laughs> shop, but. uh um, I definitely, there's times where I, you know, long to be more simpler, but, uh, then I, I'm like, well, what if something is biting and I don't have that, you know, and, and my <laughs> first kayak had all the gadgets, believe me. <laughs> um, um, okay. Well, th I think that, um, that's a pretty good coverage. I think, is there any other places in the country, like, you know, off the top of your head where I know. So one thing I was going to ask you is. What is the perception of snakeheads down there? Are like up here in PA, they're not quite to the. They can't get past the Conowingo Dam. I think for the most part is what they're saying. So, um, like everybody always jokes, oh, the snakeheads are coming. They're going to be here, you know, and they're going to ruin the whole fishery, you know, that kind of thing. Even my local lake uh, on the Facebook group, there's a, oh, I saw somebody saw saw somebody catch a snakehead. You know, oh, the whole lake's going to be you know completely trashed, you know. Uh, is there any, like, what's the connotation with snakeheads down, you know, in your area? I don't know. It's a mixed feel. You know, you have a lot of sportsmen here that welcome it. And you have a lot of concert, uh, conservationists that fear it. And you have a lot of scientists that understand the facts. And you have a lot of people that just heard of it. So it's very new. I think a lot of what's going on is hearsay and rumors i tend to really just dabble with the facts and science and mm -hmm. try not to overwhelm myself with uh telling everybody i'm right i don't really know they don't really know it's just too early to tell um you know when a shocking boat for instance goes out and collects data on fish the radius is only so big you know they're not shocking every fish in the river or right. the bay or the ocean so they're <laughs> only collecting the data what they can find the data is only as reliable as the findings and right. typically time will tell 
I, uh, I, and I always tell people, you know, they said the same thing about catfish um, on the Susquehanna and uh, you know, some people say that the, 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 uh, the catfish are kind of ruining the fishery. And yeah, I, I kind of feel like, you know, that, you know, that while that may be true to some extent, it, it's definitely adding some biodiversity to the, to the river. And, you know, for me, the more different types of fish you can catch, um, you know, that's just going to help fishing in general, but uh, I can definitely yeah. see where people would be concerned, but you know, that, you know, you see things like, Oh, if you catch a snakehead, you better kill it. You know, you have to kill it. And, and that's not true. You know, that there's no rule that says that you have to, there's definitely that's um, people who release them and, and, you know, you know, people who enjoy fishing for them and want to keep fishing for them and not, you know, totally eradicate them. But I, you know, so I, I just, you know, like to get that angle out there that, you know, just don't trust everything that you read. Um, just do a little research before you totally jump to conclusions because um, yeah. there's all sorts of views out there and just, you know, try and, you know, keep a level head about everything that you're seeing. So, yeah. And, you know, the only facts I can really give you are the ones that I've seen for myself and point <clears throat> being, I've caught five snakeheads next to five bass before. I mean, it's true. And I know that these fish are preying on, the native species but the facts say invasives are invasives it we we could be endangering ourselves but honestly there's nothing we can do at this point you know they have clutches of twenty thousand babies three times a year it seems like if one percent makes it through that's 600 new fish per couple per year and if i'm catching on a good day 15, 20 snakeheads, I think it doesn't really matter at this point. There's not much you can do. Right. You're not, you're barely scratching the surface. So, sure. and you know, so. I've read too that the, you know, bass can eat their fry as well. And like, uh, so, I mean, uh, to me, it, it, it just adds to the circle that, uh, that's there, but you know, we'll yeah. see what happens, you know, you know, it definitely could, you know, potentially become, where most fisheries are snakehead fisheries and, and not oh, as yeah. much best, but. And the local birds, they, and the rockfish, I, I watch them dive on those fry balls all year long. They definitely eat those big orange babies. I mean, they have no camo, you know, they, they're right there in the open. They're feeder right. fish. So right. it's hard to say decimation, but it's, um, you know, history doesn't lie so it's probably not a good formula for our waters however I still don't know right right well i mean i i think that covers snakehead pretty well um we're about a half hour in so i wanted to just pick your brain real quick because i know you also you know when i fell in love with watching you do the power hour i think you were mostly targeting bass at that point and um you know, being, I, I've fallen in love with fishing the river. And so I always like to get as much tips and stuff as I can about fishing the river. So if, uh, if you were taking a noob fishing, someone who is relatively new to the sport and you were taking them out on the river, um, what would you target? You know, what would you put in their hands that you, you think would be easy for them to pick up? Um, I know last week we were, like I said, we were talking frogging, we were talking frogging all sorts of different kinds of frogs. And I was telling my host, uh, my friend Jimmy, who's also a host of one of the other shows here on Paddle and Finn, that uh, you were catching smallies on the top toad in the middle of the Susquehanna, you know, and um, he's like, I would never even thought to throw a, a toad there, you know, and I was like, hey, I, it, it worked for him. And then I started doing it and it worked for me, too. And um, so but I was just curious if, like I said, if you were going to take someone out. Uh, who was new, what would you put in their hands that you think would be make them successful pretty easily? On the river? Yeah. So the river is a, a, a fickle beast. But <laughs> if you were brand new, the first thing I would give you is something that you couldn't snag. So my, you know, my MO for catching fish is all about cast count. So anything that isn't going to get snagged up in the rocks, um, the more you're throwing something, and the less you're tying on or the less you're losing something. So, it, you know, you need to really throw something that's not going to get hung up. 
Um, the bass out there bite like the bass in a pond in your backyard. You just got to really optimize your success chances out there by not getting everything you throw wedged in the rocks. So I would discourage a finesse fisherman that has a weighted bottom that can get really just pinned up. It's so rocky. So that's kind of how the river works. In the flats, it's different. It's all weeds. So, But it's still the same premise. No matter where we're fishing, I'm going to throw something in a newbie's hands that allow them to fish freely with the most opportunity to catch something. And if they're, they got to learn how to jig or they got to learn how to finesse or they got to learn anything other than casting and retrieving, uh, they, they probably won't, won't have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so what, like, what kind of, what would you like specific, uh, lures, what would you put in their hands? Like what, what, what falls under your snag free kind of, uh, are you talking oh, like a, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's easy. Anything, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if you like to buy your lures commercially at like a Dick Sporting Goods or a Walmart or, a, you know, any or, or even your local tackle shop. If you just look on the labels and you look, look at something enticing, match the hatch, you know, minnow's a minnow, a frog's a frog. It, you know, there's so many lures out there, but they're all just fishing frogs and, and worms and helgramites, right? right? So you really want to you really just want to look at the label. And you want to pick something in the zero to three foot range. That would be the best thing to do in the river. Now, there are different parts of the river. If you happen to go into a deeper part of the river, you would just pick something where you know the depth and try to optimize with at least some clearance from the bottom. You just don't want to go in the bottom. So jerk baits will work really good, like the shadow wrap. Um, top water, like poppers, are, are very amazing out there. And, you know, anything else that you can think of, soft plastics, paddle tails, the light jig head, very simple bait with a shad body, just anything that isn't going to hit the bottom. Yeah, I, that was the, and, and you're exactly right about that. When I first started fishing the river, that was one of the things that frustrated me so much was how often I got snagged. And um, it's it's weird now that I, I kind of know what I'm doing and where to cast, Um what part of like the, you know, when you throw into a netty, you throw into the slow part of a netty, it's not going to snag as quick because it's not just sitting there dragging against the bottom. It can sit there uh, in that, in that slow moving water and not, you know, be scraping against the bottom and necessarily getting snagged up. Although it still happens for sure. But um, it definitely was a point of frustration for me when I first started. Uh, and that's why like things like the top toad and, and stuff on top, you know, definitely made it, easier because uh you can throw that with a lot less frustration now i um i i didn't have as much luck with that initially as we either because i didn't understand um to fish eddies and to fish you know those you know current seams and stuff like that i was just kind of out there blind fan casting um and i did pick up fish occasionally but definitely once i started learning what to look for and and where to um, kind of target uh, my my percentages went up a lot <clears throat> yeah yeah you know if you, even if you are a finesse fisherman as long as you're staying off the bottom you're fine so maybe a weightless worm i've had a lot of success with back in maybe 2016 i used to just take a trick worm from zoom put a worm hook make it weedless and just let it naturally float and just kick it you know, it takes a few seconds in a current for it to flow to the bottom. So you end up getting a lot of good results from that for smallmouth bass up there, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and and um, generally, like when you're fishing the river, uh, color-wise, I find that, you know, stuff with chartreuse tends to work well for me. I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, true for everyone, but um, a lot of times what I, what I'll throw, you know, I, I tend to throw something with either chartreuse tipped or even, you know, uh, a majority of chartreuse color on it. And I, I tend to do pretty well. Uh, I didn't know if that, that was your experience at all. Oh, absolutely. Uh, chartreuse is great color up there, but it typically works best in my opinion, when the water is stained, I think that's why it has so much success because it is typically muddy and stained. Um, doesn't run clear until they stop running a lot of generation out mm. of the dam so 
you know, that color does pretty well, I believe, just for that simple fact. And I know, um, like, Top Toad color, you, you threw a white, I believe, a lot. And uh, that's kind of what I generally throw on the river anyway. Um, Jimmy yep. was saying he likes the Top Toad in black down where he is in Alabama. Yep. Um, but um, I, I, you know, I, I have a feeling both would probably work pretty well. Well, you tell Jimmy I use both white and black. If they're not biting on white, they're biting on black. <laughs> No, I, 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 Jimmy was actually almost mad at me because I mentioned that because he's like, down here, not everybody knows about the top toe, but I guess they probably will now. So uh, it is yeah, a pretty it is a, a, a special bait for sure. So, yeah, there's it's definitely my go to. And, you know, it doesn't I don't think it will ever wear the fish out. It's it's a pretty special strike. Mm -hmm. You got to be really good at it. And uh, a lot a lot of people don't target the right areas with it. It's just. Once, once you own it, yeah, you love it, you know, and <laughs> it only takes a couple big fish to really sell you on one more, you know. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. Uh, especially the way they nail it. So something about watching that, that guy disappear. That. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. And any of the newbies that try it, they're going to have to learn how to set the hook with it because it is a little bit different. Yep. We, we actually talked about that a little bit last week and, and that, that how hard that is to learn and to be patient and, you know, you know, let that time elapse a little bit, let that uh, fish kind of get the whole thing in its mouth before you, you know, lay into them. So. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's the best. I wouldn't trade it for any other strike. Uh, we, amen, man. I, I, I'm telling you, uh, it's definitely, definitely what keeps you, people coming back to it for sure. So. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> Um, Don, any uh, other tips you would give just general for river fishing that uh, you've learned over the years? Um, anything like you, you found yourself telling your customers on regularly or that any mistakes you saw them making regularly that, you know, you, you can think of off the top of your head? Um, not off the top of my head, but, you know, I, my, my number one concern would be with safety. You know, you guys, there's a lot of rocks out there. Uh, if you're fishing below the dam, you need to be be very cognizant and call the hotline. Make sure you know what the generation schedule is so you don't put yourself in danger. It's uh, it's really not for novice fishing most of the time in a river. Uh, it's very much about awareness. And you have to be very comfortable in your kayak and in your surroundings just, just for safety reasons. So if you're not really, really comfortable, just make sure that you're with somebody that is wear your life jacket and be safe because going out in the river uh, is like chasing Mavericks, man. You know, that's not something normal people do. <laughs> they would rather just go out in the flat calm area and catch a bass or two and that be it. The river's not like that. It's, it's more of a challenge. It's more of uh, it's a very big challenge. You know, it's, it's like surfing the big wave. I honestly, you need to be very, very, very careful. And I think uh, one thing, you know, you, you said kind of always being aware of your surroundings. I've heard it said, like, keep your head on a swivel. And, um, you know, definitely because when you're floating uh, with the current, you know, you can come up on those rocks quick. And, you know, especially the ones, the rocks that you see are the easy ones. But the rocks that are just under the surface that, you know, all you can see from a ways away is just a slight ripple where they are. But when you're right up on top of them, man, they can get you quick. So um, yeah. I, I definitely think that's a good tip. So um, definitely, especially yeah. for the people who are new to fishing the river from the shore, you know, it looks it may look like it's just a gentle flow out there. But, you know, when you get out in it, you, you know, you can be booking pretty fast and it, it can be way quicker than you, you expect. So uh, like you said, um, you know, I know down around you, you can you can call that hotline and find out when the dam is discharging and, you know, that kind of thing. So if, if you guys, anybody listening have dams in their area, you know, that would definitely be something to look into. I know there's tons of apps that uh, you can use as well. Uh, I think um, on one of our other shows this week that's airing, we talk a lot about uh, they, the, they're going to, on the final cast, they're going to talk about uh, fishing apps. So make sure you check out that because there are apps that t tell you the flow uh, of the rivers by you. Um, I use that app every time I go out just to see uh, the river level and what the flow is like. And, um, you know, 
you can you can tell just by the numbers sometimes oh this is it's just probably not fit to be out like right now up by me the susquehanna is just chugging you know it's almost it's not even really paddable at this point so yeah. uh um definitely that's something to keep in mind and you know if if you have any doubts at all um you know make sure you go with somebody and you also are prepared you know for whatever situations you're going to find because um you know the river as awesome it is as it is can also be super dangerous if you don't respect it so yeah if it's your first uh, maiden voyage in your new kayak and you've never kayaked before go for it but maybe you shouldn't be worried about catching fish you should just try to learn to navigate uh and just understand keep your nose south and your head up that way you can look for what's coming and it's very important to keep your paddle on your lap you definitely mm -hmm. aren't going to have a pedal drive out there. You're going to lose it the first time <laughs> uh, if you're in the shallows. And a lot of people go for the shallows because it's where the boats can't go. Right. So just make sure that keep your nose south and you know what's going on and, and at least get comfortable with bumping rocks before you start throwing that rod around and getting excited about catching a big fish. You don't, you, you don't want the forbidden plunge. And then next thing you know, you're washed down to the bay, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. So that definitely, I think, you know, safety has to be uh, at the top of your list on any, any trip, but especially when you're, you're just getting to learn. So, and, and it goes without saying, you know, where your PFD, um, especially if you're new, uh, they're really, I mean, they're, it's, it's a necessity. It's not even a question really. So. Sure. Sure. And, you know, there are laws and you can follow them, but safety first, right? I, uh, I, I, I've been known to not wear mine and you see pictures of me, but it's never usually in the river. I've made mistakes before and, uh, you know, mine comes on and off too easily. So I, I would encourage everybody to go buy a nice one. So you're comfortable wearing it and, uh, don't, there's no reason to be real brave. You know, I, Bad habits aren't good habits, and good habits, are, so you know, good habits are bad <laughs> as well. So, right, right. Um, all right, Don. Well, um, that was a, a lot of great information. Uh, I know you mentioned you still have a lot of content. Um, is there any place that people can find that, or is it uh, pretty much you kind of have it and could give it out if requested? I have it on my person. I, you know, if you need me to send you something, I will. I don't have anything really published anymore. Okay. Um, if you Google Don Golf Fishing, you'll probably find a lot of stuff just on Google just because I did it for so long. It was about eight years. So you'll see pictures of me at the bottom of the dam with 50-pound catfish. You'll see pictures of me in the kayak without my life vest on. You'll see <laughs> <laughs> you'll see all kinds of stuff. Um, I did you find know. a few of your videos with Toast. Uh, we've had him on the show before too, and uh, definitely a good guy. But uh, when I was searching for you uh, uh, prior to, ha like when I was looking around just to see what I could find, I, I found a few videos of you with him. Um, yeah. So that was cool. Yep. Yeah, I'd be on. I, I've been on a couple of other people's content. Um, I've, I've definitely been on. You know, I had a radio show on one hundred five point seven The Fan on Saturdays. Um, so I've got a lot of radio footage. There's, there's a lot out there on the internet, uh, you know, with, with my name attached to it, but I don't harbor, um, you know, any personal content area that you could view anymore. It's all for me. Sorry. No, that's all right. That's all right. Um, at least I know where to find the source of it and if I need to. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to give you whatever you need. I got hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> um, all right, Don. Well, uh, is there anything else uh, you'd want to share? Or are you uh, good to go? I mean, I, I wanted to just give you a chance to shout out anything and everything, um, you know, even if it's your personal business, if that's if you just no, wanted to no, get that I, out there. So <laughs> I just wish you the best of luck. I, I hope I helped you. You know, it's been my pleasure to uh, talk with you. It was, it was interesting to kind of relive that. But no, I don't have anything to share. And uh just look forward to getting up and working hard tomorrow and making some more money. And hopefully that'll afford me um, maybe some fishing this weekend. Uh, I'm hoping to get out on the water too. Like I said, uh, I'm starting a new job on Monday. So I took tomorrow off. Uh, I had to put my trucks at the shop, getting the oil changed. So if I do anything, I'm probably going to be bank fishing, but uh, 
I'm right hoping on. to sometime this weekend I'm going to get out, but for sure. But again, thank oh. you so much for coming on, Don. Um, I appreciate it. I love your outlook on things and uh, um, definitely sometime would love to hit the water with you if, uh, you know, we can make that work, you know, but yeah, uh, of course, yep. All you need to do is just hit me up and give me a call and we'll schedule it. Okay, man. That sounds awesome. So um, guys, um, you know, hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Thanks for listening. This has been Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Hope you guys have a good night and enjoy the rest of the evening. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures your Midwest premier paddle sports destination, go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. And Jigmasters Jigs, when in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.